to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. Hey folks, welcome to another episode on podcast Freshly Forever. Today I'm here with Neha Shukla, who's a teen scientist and inventor who leverages her passion for science and technology to solve real-world problems and create positive change in global communities. Neha also runs global STEM and innovation workshop for students across the world to build the next generation of problem solvers and innovators through her three-step innovation process. Neha most recently has been a TEDx speaker. She was named 2021 Global Teen Leader from the We Are Family Foundation. She was featured on the NASDAQ screen at Times Square. Also, she was featured in New York Times and on ABC News. Neha was named a Straubel Impact Leader and Engineer of the Future by the Straubel Foundation. And she is a STEM Advantage Grand Champion, a National Honorary from National Centers of Women in Computing. With absolute pride and joy, I welcome Neha to the show. Hey, Neha. Thanks for having me. It's so great to be here. Okay, you have done so much, but I guess a good starting point for listeners would be to start with what you have always been most passionate about with your education and what areas of study interest you the most, you know, right from uh, whatever you can recall as far as your elementary school days, middle school days, and now you are, I believe, a sophomore in high school. Yeah, I'm going to be a junior next year. It's crazy. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Time flies, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of my elementary and middle school days, I think what I was always most interested in was solving problems and, you know, making, putting a smile on someone's face, making the world a better place, you know? So whether that be through um, volunteering or if that's um, learning new skills that can help somebody, really, I've always been... um, focused on doing things that are people centered. So I've always just enjoyed finding ways to solve problems and coming up with ideas and brainstorming and really just doing whatever I could to help my community wherever that was. So that was really what I was most passionate about. And from a young age, I've always been interested in science and technology and the, you know, the whole STEM spectrum. Um, And it's just been remarkable to me, especially when I was young to see how scientists and engineers are able to use these skills not only to, you know, build a cool device that's interesting or whatever, mm-hmm. but to solve problems, to make somebody's life better, to, you know, address things that people are actually dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And that was something that inspired me from a really young age. And I knew that regardless of whatever I was doing as an adult, I really wanted to be a problem solver. Throughout my life, I wanted to be a problem solver. Okay, that's fantastic. <laughs> I guess uh, it makes me uh, ask you this. So what was it that made you realize you were drawn towards STEM in particular? I know you mentioned, okay, the inspiration, the idea behind, you know, the engineering, the science, the scientists and all the innovations, right? But what actually prompted you to realize that you were totally drawn towards STEM and what age, you know, you think 
you kind of started having that vision? Was it because of some projects that you executed in some science fair or what was it? That's a great question. Um, I can't recall a specific aha moment where I was like, this is STEM is for me. But I know that probably from a really young age, maybe uh, four or five, I've always been interested in science. And um, whether that be, you know, on a notebook, always coming up with ideas and coming up with new designs for inventions and things like that, or uh, STEM kits or doing little experiments, making uh-huh. things. I've always been interested in in um, in STEM. And I think it's just uh, grown into something that has been so much more impactful as the years go on. And I think starting from a young age is so it's so essential. And I think whenever I was younger, I was really, um, I guess, engaged by the idea of doing fun experiments or doing things that could, um, I don't know, produce something real. So that's what I really loved about science and technology is you can make something really tangible and real. I just love that. Okay. And so you can see the fruit of your labor, if you will. Like, yes. you, know, you just see things come to life. And so was it during summer that, you know, you kind of embarked on, you know, certain projects as part of, you know, like, okay, how do I spend my time? And uh, did you buy some kits and did you try them out? And was it how you kind of fostered your passion at that age? Yeah. And I've actually always participated in science fairs probably since I was in like first grade, just because Uh I love the, I love design thinking. I love the scientific process. I love coming up with experiments and sometimes they succeed, sometimes they fail and you learn so much from it either way. So yeah, I definitely had a bunch of science kits, um, just building things, testing them out. And I think the biggest thing for me is probably following your curiosity. As kids, we have such an endless imagination and so many ideas. Uh So really the biggest thing that my parents did was let me follow my curiosity, follow my passion. And it's just been such a great experience because I was um, probably when I was 10, I was really, really uh, started my curiosity and passion for 3D printing. And then mm-hmm. I, um, my school had a 3D printer. And so uh, in class, I would make a bunch of different you know, CAD designs and start printing things out. And now I'm able to do crazy things like make a scale model of my house or things like that. And just it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Because when you start at a young age and when your parents or when your mentors or teachers are able to nurture that curiosity and that passion, that's when you start seeing really, really amazing results. Because I think that all kids and I think all people have a really just innate set of ideas. And, you know, I think people have the capacity to innovate. Everyone has the ability to innovate because we Mm -hmm. all have such a unique take on life. And we all have different lived experiences that I think when you follow your curiosity and you follow your passion and you're just left totally free to do whatever you'd like, I think that's when you start getting really, really interesting ideas and really useful innovations. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And what about your urge to be an innovation advocate? You know, like you have, okay, been interested in it all from a young age and you know you were completely drawn to science and uh, 
kind of, you know, it all seems like it was magical to you right from the first moment. And it also seems like, you know, would you categorize yourself as having been in like a um, better place in terms of the infrastructure that you have been surrounded with and the exposure? Because you are talking 10 years old and 3D printers. And I don't think there are very many kids out there that have been exposed to 3D printers even now, you know, like even as high schoolers or whatever it might be. So um, would you categorize that one to being surrounded by, um, you know, good infrastructure and people that guided you toward that? And then the second, your urge to be an innovation advocate. And when did you first make something really tangible? Okay, something that you felt more comfortable um, addressing a real world problem. That's a really great question. And I, I would definitely say that I'm in a really, really lucky situation in terms of how supportive my parents are and you know, how I'm able to find opportunities and mentors and resources to help me innovate. I think I would not be where I am today without the support of my mentors, of the support of my uh-huh. parents and even my school. And I, uh, I go to a public high school, so nothing, not like a charter school or anything like that. But I think just having the support of really, really supportive teachers, um, a science department that really cares about what your endeavors are. I think that's just a huge mm-hmm. support for me. And what I noticed was, so let me take you back. Um, so in the beginning of you know the pandemic, I created Six Feet Apart, the device. And from there, I started, I, I think um, it's one of my more well-known innovations. I've been building things, again, from like a really young age, but I think that's my more, one of my more well-known ones. And I started my I guess, creating my innovation process from then based on what I started to observe in, you know, in my journey and seeing how it could be easier to distill the iterations and the different processes of building an innovation into a simple three-step process. Mm-hmm. So when I started building that out, I noticed that a lot of my peers are, well, we're all, we're, they're just like me. We're all trying to solve problems. We all are super passionate about social justice, about things that are happening in the world and really Mm -hmm. creating that positive impact on our communities. Except the only thing is that my generation really wants to solve problems. We want to create that change. We want to be, you know, change makers. But the problem is they don't have that framework to innovate. And what I really love about innovation is it's such a long lasting solution. It doesn't just bandaid the problem. It doesn't, um, mm-hmm. nothing like that. It creates solutions to problems. And that's what I'm really passionate about. And I think that we are seeing so many problems in the world right now. COVID-19, I mean, for mm-hmm. starters, climate change, threats to cybersecurity, human rights. There are so many things that are going on right now. And innovation is really the key to addressing these problems and creating long-lasting solutions. So looking from that lens, I realized that a lot of my peers wanted to solve problems or wanted to Uh contribute to issues that they really were very passionate about. But the only thing is they don't have that innovation framework. So I set out, um, I've been doing 
STEM workshops, innovation workshops for uh-huh. uh, my local community for a couple of years now. But then I started in the middle of the pandemic, I really had this realization and I realized that I have to go global with this and start creating this framework in a really digestible way so that more students can begin becoming innovators and start their innovation journey because that's really what the world needs. Okay. What about, um, do you do this online or even as of two years ago when you did your workshops and such, were they in person? Was it like YouTube videos or was it like virtual classes? How did you take this forward? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, before, before COVID, it was definitely in person. Um, mm-hmm. But now, of course, we've been uh, migrating over to Zoom and I'm, yeah, and so your before COVID, I as I see it, probably you did it locally in smaller groups, maybe even right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the I guess silver linings of the pandemic is that we now have the ability to have people from all over the world attending your mm-hmm. workshops and global I mean, outreach. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's been so impactful. And every time I hold these workshops, it's so remarkable to see. Um, I even had a workshop where it was majority first to third grade students. And mm-hmm. usually I have a slightly older, um, you know, audience in the workshops. But in this in this workshop, it was so remarkable to see all these little kids so excited about innovation. And when we were figuring out how to solve these problems and, you know, solving them together, looking at solutions and going through the framework, they were getting so excited about coming up with solutions to climate change to pollution. And these aren't small problems and these aren't things. Yeah, that, why not? Absolutely. And they were so excited and so excited to even begin implementing solutions in their local community. And that was the most exciting thing for me is to see students getting excited about innovation and then seeing the connection to the real world and being able to solve problems and be at least a small part of the change in their local communities, which was so inspiring. Well, the other thing that I want to ask you and also want to point out is right there, you said when you said pollution and so much more, you know, like you're also right there focusing on health related aspects uh, that are pertinent to society, correct? And so everyone wants like a healthy life and, you know, no one wants to be left out on that space for sure. And, uh, you know, there may be junk eating, there may be other stuff, but no one is like, hey, I don't want to be healthy. You know, I don't think anyone wants to say that. And with COVID-19, you know, you turn the situation, you turn whatever was, you know, so gloomy about the pandemic uh, for everyone being confined indoors, you turned it into something productive. What was the trigger for you to do that? You're six feet apart, your innovation. Can you talk about what the whole thing is and, you know, like what it entails as far as technology, what prompted you to even get started with it? Absolutely. I think the biggest thing for me to start innovating during the pandemic is seeing this problem that I cared a lot about, but also everybody else cares about. We're all living through a global pandemic. Exactly. It's it's an issue that we can't really ignore. And so looking at this and then every time I switch on the TV, it's the rising case numbers of COVID-19. Every time I look out the window, it's people in my neighborhood wearing masks and walking around. And it's just a problem that we really couldn't avoid. And I was feeling so helpless. I was like, 
this is such a big problem and we need to do something about it. And mm-hmm. I realized that I need, I, I can take action and I don't know what it was in me that made me realize that even as a teenager, I can solve problems, but I've been, I've set out to, you know, ignite that spark in others and really help people realize that anyone can be an innovator and it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you're from because the world really needs innovators. And so Mm -hmm. starting from that initial spark, I was able to create something. And I think it's amazing to see how something so small can result in something so big. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But six feet apart, like um, I believe you were uh, trying to focus on protecting the elderly, right? Say your own grandparents, neighbors, and uh, so on. And uh, so for someone that's totally new to this, you know, like, why don't you explain what the device does? I know it's a hat, you know, it's a microprocessor and infrared based technology, you know, like going back and forth. So what exactly is it, you know, for the um, listener that is totally new or, you know, completely, you know, like a total stranger to your innovation, how would you explain it to them? And, um, just talk about the technology that's involved and your work there. Absolutely. So my device is six feet apart, which is a microprocessor-based device embedded inside a hat. So it essentially uses the latest developments in ultrasonic technology, artificial Mm -hmm. intelligence, and infrared imaging. And so essentially what it does is it sends out short pulses of ultrasonic waves out from the hat. And um, whenever a person comes within the six foot detection range, these waves refract, reflect back from the person into the sensor. And so uh-huh. this, the receiver of the sensor collects this data, mathematically calculates uh, distance through the program that I coded myself. So essentially, it's a really unique way of calculating distance without physically measuring it. So um, how nice. Yeah. And it's almost inspired by like echolocation from whales. So Mm -hmm. essentially they use something similar in terms of um, waves to calculate, to, to, you know, communicate and have distance. So essentially it uses ultrasonic technology in that aspect. And then to better differentiate between people and objects that are coming in within the range um, and to just increase the accuracy of the device up to like 99.5%. Um, I used an artificial intelligence algorithm, a convolutional neural network, to mm-hmm. essentially take computer vision from an infrared camera that is also in the hat. And so that's essentially how it works. Um, and whenever a person comes within the six-foot detection range, um, the user receives live haptic and acoustic feedback. So um, you can hear the sound and it also vibrates on your head. So you know that somebody's coming too close. And then I also created recently a mobile app that sends these notifications to your phone. And so I'm really okay. excited to um, launch that on the app store in the coming few weeks and maybe having a release event or something like that to you know share the app with the community. But yeah, I'm really excited about that. Okay. What about... Um... The challenges that you faced, I think any project comes with its own set of challenges. And I'm sure, including the differentiation between detecting people versus objects, I think that must have been something that you had to deal with, correct? So if you could talk um, 
as to what challenges you faced and how I think any listener would be very curious to know how this device differentiates between objects and people. And my other question would be, I know you are trying to send this notification to the app and you're creating an app. But aside from that, you're also trying to expand your horizon and you're trying to come up with uh, other devices if somebody doesn't choose or not want to wear a hat, correct? Yeah. So that's a really great uh, point. I think innovation is really, really filled with iteration and success and failures and a lot of failures in order to get that final success where you want to be. And one of the challenges that I faced was, yeah, the um, differentiating between objects and people. And that's why I started to implement the artificial intelligence algorithm. And that came with its own whole set of challenges and learning how to you know, modify the algorithm and all those things. But also a big thing for me was making my device as customizable to the user as possible. So I did create, I don't want this to make too much sound in the podcast, but I created an armband and a lanyard as well. Um, mm-hmm. with the same technology as the six feet apart hat. And I just made it in more compact um, formats. And these are, you, you know, the armband could be worn on the go, maybe when you're on a run or something. Outdoors. Exactly. And I was then, going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the lanyard could be worn by corporate companies. It could be worn by students, teachers. Um, really, it's it's really versatile. And my, you know, intention was to, make it possible for people to use this device anywhere, uh, regardless of, you know, what location they're at or, um, you know, the work setting, school setting, anything like that. So, because safety is really first. Absolutely. And that's, uh, it's really phenomenal that you have come up with this and kudos to you for this innovation. And I know you have been featured on New York Times, ABC News, the screens of NASDAQ and Times Square (laughs) and, uh, all of this. So um, what was the significance in gaining these featuring in the media and what did it mean to you? Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a great question. I think getting these features and getting the recognition is great, but I think it's only a side, um, almost like a side effect of everything that's happening. It's really great. Mm -hmm. It shows me that the importance of young innovators that we need in society and I think having the the recognition, having the features is great, but it's just, I think it's just the beginning in terms of real world impact and being able to save lives with my device or be able to inspire other students with my workshops. I'm really hoping that by this recognition would bring my workshops or bring my outreach to a larger audience and maybe have my innovations you know, reaching other parts of the world that didn't have access before. And that's my main intention with any of the recognitions is to, you know, get a larger audience for people who are impacted by the work that I do. Oh, so modest and very well said there, Neha, (laughs) because I guess, you know, having been recognized as 2021 global team leader also, I think... Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. The The importance lies in us being able to expand our wings any day with anything we all do, you know, when there's recognition. Of course, it's nice to rave about it 
go to a nice lunch or dinner to celebrate maybe and uh, um, maybe in this world of uh, virtual meetings you know like celebrate it virtually with family wherever they are across the world right so all that is fine but aside from that you really pointed out you know the essence of it all and that's wonderful but what about your device in a post pandemic world and have you patented it that's a great question so yes it is patent pending um and you know post pandemic my hope for 6 feet apart is to really transition to becoming an assistive technology device so uh for the blind and visually impaired they can use the same technology to detect distance and it's really easy to modify um with a click of a button in my program i can change the distance from measuring a 6 foot distance which was set by the cdc to maybe a couple of inches so that mm-hmm. who's visually impaired could be could be notified when there's a pole or a mailbox or a person coming in within their uh walking path and so that could be transitioned to assistive technology for the blind and visually impaired which is really exciting but also for future pandemics i think with sars and mers and there's so many you know future things that could be occurring and i think having a backup plan just being ready with devices like these or um uh, you know protocols like these is really really useful mhm mhm and uh, have you been approached by uh, uh people or have you have you approached you know like investors like on shark tank and such you know to kind of take this into a bigger uh scale as such yeah i've been um doing some focus groups with um different people i've been in talks with uh hat making and technology companies which is really exciting um but yeah i think it's really exciting to see what the future is for 6 feet apart and not just that but also other future innovations and i'm excited to see how i can you know create real world impact on my community and globally Oh uh sure i think you know you are well on target to do that <laughs> and what about your other uh devices or innovations uh, neha uh, you have done something i believe is it mobile me and is it an app for mobility loss in the elderly and then there's also something to diagnose neurological degenerative diseases is that something in the works or is it already out there Yeah so my first uh, I I guess another one of my innovations is mobile me which um so I guess I created this last uh October and November of 2020 and I was really inspired by my grandmother in India had fallen and it wasn't as bad as before but she cuz previously she had broken her shoulder or her knee and oh uh, no sorry yeah and it's really it's heartbreaking to see how you know as as grandparents grow older or even as your own parents grow older you realize that mobility is something that we really take for granted and it really does deteriorate over time but we really don't realize it and mm-hmm. all the solutions out there today including you know life alert buttons or walking sticks or things like that those are all really reactive solutions and what i mean by that is they're addressing the problem after it's happened somebody is fine uh-huh. so we're going to get help uh something like that and i think what i was really concerned about is making a proactive solution so preventing them from falling in the first place and so mm-hmm. i was you know brainstorming thinking about how i was going to go about doing this and i started looking at 
I started looking at the root cause analysis of the problem. I started thinking, why do people fall down? It's because of aging. What are the factors related to aging? And looking Mm -hmm. at those and looking at first principles thinking, I started realizing that the root causes of, you know, falling are because of aging and because of numerous factors that really vary from person to person. So what Mm -hmm. I created was mobile me, which is a device and app. So essentially the device is a wearable hip device that you wear, um, to test your gait. So essentially it contains an inertial movement unit, which senses your um, walking pattern and takes almost like a graph reading of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It sends that data to the app, which processes it in an artificial intelligence uh, recurrent neural network, and then gives you the result of what gait problem you could potentially have that leads to falling. So it classifies that right there and then. And then on the other side of it, we have another artificial intelligence network where you input all your factors, your personal factors, whether that be age, um, you know, you know, family pathologies, specific conditions that you might have, weight, things like that. And from that, it gives you a personalized treatment based on what would be best for you to prevent falling in the future. So that's essentially what mobile me is. I'm really excited about it. Um, and I think it, it, it's a solution. It's a problem that is really, really widespread across the world. And I think the solution could really contribute to putting an end to it. Cool. Um, I'm sure that's just uh, almost like the need of the hour for the seniors. And I think it's uh, it's something uh, remarkable that you have embarked on it and, you know, you're trying to do that. And um, your role in empowering Gen Z to create tangible solutions to that end, you started Innovation Corner. Why did you feel the need to create something like that? And I know you talked a little earlier in the show about uh, how people feel, you know, like, okay, they are with ideas, but they are not, they just need some help. And also, even with your own journey, who was your motivation or your biggest help? That's a really great question. So I think I started Innovation Corner because I wanted to, and and as you said earlier, I think I'm in a really lucky situation in terms of how supportive, the supportive environment that I'm in. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to be that supportive environment for a lot of other students around the world who might not have um, mentorship or who might not have uh, a school with a lot of resources. And so being that guiding force for students in terms of providing that innovation framework, providing the mentorship and the support and resources to innovate. That was a huge thing for me. And, you know, being that guiding force was something that I was really excited about. And then the other side of it was, um, what was the other part of the question? Um, No, I mean, like, uh, why you created that and who was your sounding board? Yes. So I was one of my biggest motivators and mentors that continues to mentor me today is uh, Jennifer Openshaw, who's actually the CEO of Girls with Impact. So mm-hmm. I, even, I went through a program called Girls with Impact, which is a um, an online business and entrepreneurship academy, also uh, right in the beginning of COVID. And so going through that program also helped me realize um, all the you know, ideas and the vision that I had for Six Feet Apart helped me realize that and bring it out 
uh, into the world, which was amazing to see. So Jen, Jennifer Openshaw is a huge mentor to me and really mm-hmm. supports me in all the things that I'm doing in terms of a, both in terms of a business aspect and, you know, getting the word out there, but also in, in a personal way. So she's a really huge mentor for me. And of course, my parents, they're super supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, teachers in school as well are really, really uh, great inspirations. But then again, looking at big companies who are doing remarkable things in terms of utilizing AI to solve problems or, you know, thinking of ethics in situations or, you know, using the latest technologies to be a force for good in our communities instead of just looking at the economic side of things, focusing on helping people and making their side of the world a little bit better. So that Mm -hmm. also really inspires me just to see big companies doing great things and supporting communities. Okay. And how did you even come across this um, Girls with Impact? Is that like an organization that's trying to... um, you know, like help girls like you that have ideas and that want to be entrepreneurs? Yeah. So I came across the program through my school. I don't even remember how I found out about it, but I'm so glad that I did. Um, And essentially the program uh, hopes to combine a girl's passion with a problem that they care about in the world and Mm -hmm. to essentially create in, in in the 10 week program, create your own venture that addresses problems. And so there are a lot of girls who've done amazing ventures in, um, in fashion, in social justice, in, you know, in allergies, like literally anything that Mm -hmm. they're caring about. So it's really a, a really empowering environment. And I definitely encourage anybody to anybody interested in joining to definitely join girls with impact. It's a really, really encouraging environment and yeah i think it's it's just been remarkable to see how when you put somebody in a positive environment with a lot of peers going through uh the same process it's so um it just it's really transformative and helps you innovate and be more creative and i think that's also what i've been hoping to do with my workshops is to create that you know sense of camaraderie with your peers that yes we're all mm-hmm innovators we're all going through this we're all you know going through the process and it's okay because I'm on step one and somebody's on step three I can ask them for help things like that so yeah I think it creates a really really positive environment and I think the sense of you know togetherness like you you're all in this together is kind of the bottom line messaging right back in a moment with our guest on fresh leave forever What about your innovation framework? I know it's we have talked quite a bit about the three-step process. Why don't you take us through what those three steps entail? Definitely. So the first, or I guess the three steps are identify, innovate, and impact. So I uh-huh. like to make it simple, three eyes, nothing too complicated, because I think there, there can be, you can follow this framework in so many different ways. And just having this is a really good um, guide to starting to innovate. So the first step identify is pretty much all about understanding the problem. And the biggest, I guess, pitfall in identify that we need to avoid is avoiding to get stuck in solution mindset, because 
Mm-hmm. So many really fun technologies and tools that we all want to use and, you know, get our hands in, but it's so important to truly understand the problem. So what I like to do in the first step of identify is look through first principles thinking, which is essentially asking why over and over and over again until you get to the root cause. So I mm-hmm. like doing this because it prevents you from solving only a surface level problem. You really, when once you start going through the whys, you actually get to the root cause and then you solve the problem at its root, which is really the, where it can be most impactful. So in Identify, you have to really understand the problem, figure out what the root cause is and talk to people who are experiencing the problem. They'll have a lot of different perspectives on the work that you're doing. Um, and, and maybe it involves a lot of journaling in this stage, correct? Oh, absolutely. I think writing down, I, I always have like an innovation journal where I have all my ideas and you know upcoming next steps and everything. So it's definitely a great idea to um, you know invest in one of those. Um, the next step is innovate. And I think this is one of the most uh, iterative steps. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it kind of starts off with, researching. And I like to almost follow a um, pyramid style research. So I like to build foundations first. So whether that's like watching YouTube videos about a topic, like if I'm starting off in um, blockchain, I might watch Uh some YouTube videos, simple like three minute videos about the concept. I might do like a four dummies book series or something, you know, start building your foundations and then build your way up to reading a research paper or, you know, speaking with industry experts, because you should build your foundations in a topic before going ahead first and then being really confused about, you know, the complexity of it. Mm -hmm. And then you can start coming up with ideas. And there are a lot of different ways to, um, you know, organize your ideas. And we do a lot of that in our workshops in terms of like fish bones and, you know, combining passion with problem and all those things. But once you have your initial idea, the biggest thing in Innovate is just testing, reiterating, testing, reiterating, getting feedback and having that continuous loop where you're trying something, it doesn't work. You try something else, it works a little bit better. Okay, figure out what it is that is the common denominator between those that was better and then reiterating all those times. And I think even for me, like in six feet apart, one of the sensors wasn't working. So try mm-hmm. out a bunch of different things. There was a bug like really, really early on okay, is it, is it the microprocessor? No. Is it the sensor? No. Is it the wire? Oh, this, it's the wire's fault. And, you know, mm-hmm. figuring out what is, um, you know, what make, what can make the device better? What can make your solution better? So a lot of iteration, a lot of testing and getting feedback. And not getting bogged down by any uh, uh, roadblocks that you may encounter, but just be ready to go back to the drawing board. It's okay to feel vulnerable and then, you know, Absolutely. keep keep hydrating and, you know, like go over it. Correct. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's also why I really like finding problems and causes that I'm really passionate about, because when you have that passion for a problem, you don't mind sticking with it for a long time and iterating. And if there's roadblocks, you don't mind, you know, deep diving and spending time and figuring out what the bugs are. When you have that passion and that you know, drive, you you just don't mind at all when you have problems that you have to overcome and setbacks. Mm-hmm. Okay, fantastic. Your workshops, 
you have mentioned your workshop several times. You have reached already 22,000 plus, um, you know, youth uh, during the COVID year 2020. And your goal for 2021 is 50,000 plus as I see it. Uh, that's great. <laughs> what about the duration of your workshops? How do you structure it? I know you have it centered around your framework, which is identify, um, innovate, and then impact. And what would be the impact part of it? We talked about identify and innovate. Yeah. Um, so your, the duration, how you structure your workshop, and if you can talk about the impact side of it. Oh, absolutely. So um, I guess going into impact, the first, the, the big thing for impact is sharing your research. I think sharing your research, sharing your innovation, sharing whatever solution that you came up with, because mm-hmm. the biggest thing is innovation is not really something that you do on your own. Um, you come up with, for me personally, I come up with all my ideas and build everything on my own, but I have a lot of support from mentors and then getting feedback from people who are experiencing the problem and just getting a Mm -hmm. lot of external support or feedback or, you know, ideas. And so for impact, the biggest thing is getting you that support system, getting you a mentor in areas that would be useful for you. So sharing your research, maybe making a website about what you've made, making YouTube videos, speaking about the work that you've done to really raise awareness for your cause, but also get people who are able to support you and able to guide you in your process so that you can make your innovation a real thing and really bring it out to the real world. So that was really the main um, focus of impact. And I think everyone's journey in impact can be really different based on what you're doing and, you know, the serendipity of it all something, maybe you meet somebody amazing and then it goes on a full different journey than you would have expected. So it really is very open-ended. Um, in terms of my workshops, so they're uh-huh. usually around 45 minutes to an hour long. Um, and I usually host them over Zoom. But if there's another, you know, software that I have to use, I'll definitely uh, adapt to that. Um, and do you do it as a set of, um, do you do it like a series of sessions, like sets of sessions, because they are 45 minutes long? Yeah, I can do, um, I've done workshops like recurring workshops with the same people, but I've also done just uh, single event workshops just to start to spark that, you know, inspiration for students. So I really do both depending on, you know, the location or depending on the number of students who signed up and everything. Um, But the structure of the workshops follows as kind of an introduction on innovation and um, I guess my journey in terms of like the things that I've learned across the way and then we just go headfirst into uh, each of the steps of the innovation framework. So what I like mm-hmm. to do is I explain, you know, explain the first step, and then we do an interactive activity right there and then in in the first step. And I think having that kind of interaction with students and having them come up with their own ideas and figuring out what their own passions are and combining those with problems and thinking of solutions and researching all those things. It's just a really, really fun process and not, not something that we typically do in school. So I think it's really, really fun to see how everybody gets so excited in these workshops. So after uh, we just go through each of the steps and in interact uh-huh. activities and, you know, start, you know, building that out. And by the end of the workshop, they start having an idea of a problem that they want to solve. 
uh, an initial approach of how they want to solve it and resources for how to start innovating, for how to get a mentor, for how to, you know, get that kind of support. And at the end, have just an open Q&A where I can answer any of their questions. Okay. Fabulous. How <laughs> crucial is that first step? And say, do you think even people that didn't have any ideas, but it seemed like, you know, they were scared initially about, you know, uh, wanting to be an innovator, coming up with something on their own. Do you think um, just they chanced upon your stuff and they just signed up? And But at the end of it all, you know, like, do you think they were ready to take that crucial first step? And how crucial is it in general for anyone to do it? And how do you go about it? Like, so do you try to give them like kind of the recipe for success, you know, like in terms of where to begin, what to do? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is a lot of like my generation, we don't know where to start. We have that mm-hmm. passion. We have those ideas. We're ready to do something. We're ready to make that change, but we don't know where to start. So I think when students just are unsure about innovation, they just sign up for a workshop and then they had they experience just a huge shift in their perspective. And it's really empowering to see that as a teenager, yes, you can be a problem solver. Yes, you can be an innovator. And it's just amazing to see that. I think um, that first step is so, so crucial because once you get there, the the rest is just part of that amazing journey. And a lot of times you don't even remember how you stumbled upon something or how you uh-huh. decided that you're going to take that first step because it's so, it's such like a, it's almost like half a second. And then you realize like, okay, this is what I want to do. And once you're past that first step of deciding that I want to be a problem solver, I want to solve this problem. I'm passionate about this. And once you get there, the rest becomes such an amazing journey. And there are so many people and so many companies ready to support young people who are innovating, mm-hmm. young people who are solving problems. So my message to everyone is just take that first step because the journey will be so rewarding. And having that you know, innovation framework to guide you is just the best way to start finding mentors, finding support, and really just getting involved with problems that you're passionate about in your community. What about, um, we have talked about these first steps. And so um, when you felt the urge to do something initially, how did you go about conceptualizing the whole thing? Who helped you or guided you in this effort? I know, you know, like you already talked about one of your mentors. And so as a first step, okay, and what technologies do you think uh, the Gen Z's can focus on like today in terms of what they can get familiarized with and how do they go about that? Definitely. So for the first thing, which was, um, yeah. So in terms of how I decided to solve problems and how I decided to um, be an innovator, I think I conceptualized my ideas. um, I think, just on my own, really, I, looking at problems and then getting inspiration from my parents, from people in my community, from the mm-hmm. news, from everywhere, getting inspiration from everywhere, and then sitting in my bedroom lab and being like, okay, how can I solve this problem? Okay, well, there's this technology that could solve it. No, think about the problem. What is the root cause of the problem? Okay, 
person to person transmission. Okay. Well, why, how can we prevent doing that? Okay. Well, social distancing is the main thing that the CDC recommends to prevent person to person transmission. Okay. How can we now, how can we address social distancing? And so going through the process and I didn't even realize what I was doing at that moment, but then looking back on it, I was like, this is the framework that I created. So going through, you know, understanding the problem and then the technologies that I think, I mean, the technologies that I used, um, microprocessors, all those things, just because that was what was available to me. But I think you can really use whatever tools you have uh, available to you. And what I think the biggest technology that my generation should focus on um, that will really revolutionize our the whole world in terms of every industry disrupting everything is artificial intelligence. I think Mm -hmm. it's something that is really taking the world by storm. And we have it in so many places already, like our Google search engine, auto, like auto complete results, Mm -hmm. shopping preferences. It's really everywhere. But I think artificial intelligence is starting to grow and it's really starting to um, even be used by more young people. And I think having the background in AI is going to be so, so useful for my generation in terms of making solutions that are really impactful, that can use data um, in a way that is really, um, you know, can be can create something that's more personalized in terms of a solution. And that's also really long lasting. So artificial intelligence is definitely, I think, the top technology that I would recommend for my generation. Okay. And you talked about blockchain, you talked about so many other things earlier. Uh, but I guess my question to you would be, um, say, um, you know, like a listener who is so young but passionate uh, or who is completely puzzled and scared maybe uh, is going to wonder, how did this 15-year-old uh, on the other side of the globe or maybe the same part of the country, whatever it could be, um, how did she even know about all these that exist? You know, is it, Is it that you're such a voracious reader or, you know, again, is it by chance that, you know, your teachers equipped you with that or your parents equipped you with that? What are some resources, some very basic things that one can normally, you know, like indulge in? What can they do uh, to be able to equip themselves and stay current with whatever is happening? That's one. And then the other thing would be, okay, you know, like it may be completely not in um, your range at this point in terms of, um, okay, it's not your grade level, okay? <laughs> but then you are stepping up and trying to do something. So again, how do you go after those resources? How do you try to equip yourself? Definitely. I think for me personally, um, I've never actually taken a computer science course in my school. I've like mm-hmm. not had that opportunity. So all of the stuff that I've you know, learned is all self-taught. Um, I learned, you know, AI, microprocessors, building software and hardware, all of that individually on my own outside of school, outside of, you know, my parents' help or anything like that. So I think the biggest thing for me was starting, um, I guess, igniting that spark with YouTube videos and um, watching keynotes at different places uh, on YouTube, whether that's like Yesterday was the Apple WWDC, which was awesome, a worldwide developers conference. So just mm-hmm. watching things that are available to you to spark your interest. And then 
again, building up that complexity. So then reading Science Daily articles, I love reading um, MIT tech review articles. I get their newsletter every morning. Um, mm-hmm. And having, you know, surrounding yourself in a really information rich environment, but also kind of blocking out some of the noise. And we really live in a very noisy world. So figuring out what you want to focus on is really, really important. So starting off with, you know, basic YouTube videos, basic books, and then going on to reading articles. And the biggest thing for me is just online courses, doing mm-hmm. online courses and learning how to um, learning how what even AI is and then having courses, technical courses and how to program an AI, how to build an algorithm, how to, you know, optimize it, all these different things. And there's so many online courses available on the internet. So I think Mm -hmm. there's such a rich bank of resources for us as young people, but also adults and companies and parents, there's so many resources. So definitely just not being afraid to type how to learn AI and in Google, Mm -hmm. like AI courses or blockchain courses, nanotechnology, there's so many tools and technologies. And what I try to do in my workshops too is, you know, introduce students to things that they maybe had never thought were possible. Mm -hmm. Because in schools, again, even in school computer science courses, it's mostly just HTML, Java, or CSS. And Mm -hmm. I think there's so much out there in the world in terms of emerging technologies that our generation can leverage in terms of solving problems and creating that positive change. So I'm always, you know, encouraging students to check that out. There's so many online courses, which were definitely my biggest help. Okay, perfect. What about, um, we have talked enough about how one can get initiated, maybe do reading, maybe do Googling, maybe go after resources in the library, take online courses via EDX or Coursera or such, you know, like open platforms, right? Um what about um, signing up for your workshops? You know, is it uh, like a payment uh, uh, medium or is it free? And how do they, uh, you know, like take advantage of that? Yeah, all of my workshops are free. I usually try to partner with an organization when I'm giving the workshops. So um, I'm hoping to uh, partner with a couple of different companies and then all the employees of uh, the employees of the company, their children could attend the workshop mm-hmm. if they'd like. Um, I, my new website is under construction. It's coming out in a little bit. But yeah, if you're interested in a workshop, you can definitely um, sign up at the sixfeetapart.weebly.com. And there's a contact form at the bottom. I'd love to continue spreading the word and everything like that. So I'm super, I'm always open to giving me workshops in different areas. So definitely reach out at that website. Mm -hmm. And are you willing for people to collaborate with you and help you out on a volunteering basis uh, in your efforts? Absolutely. I think I've had a lot of collaborations with local community leaders and organizations. And it's really great to see, you know, people supporting Um, you know, youth-led work and getting the word out because we really do need more innovators in the world. Okay. And a very important question. As adults, how do we foster this um, ingenuity and problem solving and not kill any ideas that youth may have, you know, like just because we bombard them with (laughs) our own views. Okay. We, We all try to give free advice and 
So how important is it for adults to nurture the passion that youth of today have? And uh, what about um, the need for mentoring? That's such a great question. So I think the biggest thing that adults can do um, and teachers and parents can do is being supportive of a child's curiosity and passion. So if a child is really interested in like electric cars and everything like that and autonomous Uh vehicles, then let them, you know, explore their passion down a rabbit hole of information and really encouraging um, problem solving. So as a parent, if your child is interested in, for the example, autonomous vehicles, maybe ask, so why aren't they being implemented today? Okay. So from that problem, what can we do to solve that? Okay. Is there something that you can do personally? I heard that there was a, a driving simulator online where you can run out different algorithms to test out if the simulated car would be able to drive safely or not. Do you want to try that out? Mm-hmm. And just giving those suggestions. And I think as parents, you have a lot of resources and a lot of connections and a lot of experience. So using that experience to really let their, let your child go on their own path in terms of finding cool things. And you never know when um, a child's passion might turn into an opportunity for something or when their passion turns into an actual solution to a real world problem. So definitely encouraging that, nurturing it and using whatever resources and connections you already have to help your child. So that was the one thing I would definitely um, encourage. And then in terms of mentoring, I think creating that supportive environment is so, so important. For mentors, the biggest thing is if a young person wants to be mentored by you or is reaching out, just give it a try. They're, they're always going to be so you know eager to learn, excited to do whatever they can in terms of helping you out or job shadowing you or figuring out more about the industry, even like a 15 minute call with somebody can really just change their life forever. So I always like my calendar is always filled with a bunch of 15 minute calls with students like all over the world, just um, excited about innovation with questions for me, questions for that can help them. So I'm excited about game development and I, I really love video games and I want to be a developer. I think, I don't know, because I don't know, I've not really heard about a lot of this technology stuff. I really want to get involved. What's your advice? And a lot of questions like these. And so I really think that being able to support somebody in their journey is uh-huh. not only something that will help them. You're also giving back to your community and you're giving back to the world because this one person might go on to be uh, you know, a world-class innovator that solves so many problems that even you might struggle with yourself in the future. Oh, yes. And <laughs> something that you'll be proud of having guided them also. And yes. so I think it's a two-way street and it's a win-win situation right there. And uh, always be open to uh, taking in mentees and, uh, you know, like any uh, youth listening, be prepared to reach out to mentors and it's okay to feel vulnerable. It's okay to feel um, that, okay, you don't know it and admit to that and ask for help and ask for guidance. And I'm sure there's plethora of resources out there. And Neha, you have done so much. You are a student, you're an innovator. 
you are a rising junior in high school <laughs> i know how much it is to uh, manage high school and everything there's 24 hours in a day <laughs> and i believe you also are passionate about uh, guitar and piano how yes. is that going and how does your creativity or anyone's creativity uh, you think is helped by being involved in something outside of school and um you know like anything music or anything else you know how do you think it nurtures someone's creativity oh absolutely i think the biggest thing is always finding what you're passionate about i'm super passionate about music um i've been playing piano for a really long time probably since i was around 5 and then guitar mm-hmm. since i was around 10 and i just i love music it's such a fun thing to just express yourself and i don't know music is awesome i also love to paint and just be outdoors so finding things and doing things that you love is really just a great way to i mean it's just fun so i love to spend a lot of time um doing whatever i feel like i think it's i try not to have too much of a rigid schedule or anything that's you know oppressive but i just you know do whatever that is fun so if that's innovating and building new devices and just messing around with um a new like sensor that i got or you know playing music or painting mm-hmm. or just being outdoors um i like to just do things that are fun and i think when when students see how fun innovation can be it's really it, it opens a lot of new doors okay and is it like your calming mechanism like music and the other things that you do painting and what not is it your sort of your go to mindfulness exercise when you want some time away and does that help stir your uh creativity even more later oh absolutely it's such a it's almost like meditative so i really mm-hmm. yeah, i love music and art and everything like that okay so granted there's 24 hours for someone <laughs> asking hey how do you do it all i know school is so tough and my school is so tough someone sitting <laughs> across the globe you know someone sitting elsewhere wants to know how they can do it without you know like compromising on sleep you know circadian rhythm is so important for someone's health honoring that and so sleeping um, according to you know the the sun and moon cycle in terms of you know like the rising sun and going to bed you know like not too late at night how do you do it all mm mm-hmm. I think what I like to do is prioritize the things that are due most urgently. So if I have mm-hmm. assignments or exams that are really urgent, I like to do those first and then finding a schedule that works for you. I think is the biggest thing for me. Um part of the time because of the pandemic, school would start at 12:00 uh at lunch and then it would mm-hmm. only be for 3 hours and so the schedule really changes a lot and sometimes it's uh you know from 7 to 3 in the whole day so it really just does depend and if you have that free pocket of time doing things that you're passionate about finding time to innovate and what i like to say is find at least spend 20 minutes a day 30 minutes a day on your passion mhm spend 30 minutes a day on innovating and when you see that it really does compound and you know 1% improvement every day makes a huge improvement in a year and two years and 10 years so just having that small compounding 
over time is just the most amazing thing. And even if you feel like, oh, I'm not really going anywhere, I'm only spending such a small amount of time every day, go on your own pace. Everybody has different things that they have to do, different commitments in life, and that's totally fine. So just finding your balance in terms of schoolwork, innovating, building things, passions, Mm -hmm. hobbies, all those things, finding that balance and then just seeing your returns compound over time. Okay, very well said. So I guess the message to be derived there is do not overwhelm yourself, but have you personally ever felt overwhelmed? I think school can be a lot. A lot of times you can feel the pressure, but I like to sometimes just detach myself when something is really um, overwhelming. I like to take a little bit of time and, you know, recenter myself and realize what I'm really passionate about, what I really want to be spending my time on and spend more time on activities. If you ever feel overwhelmed, spending more time on activities that you, that you love to do. So if Mm -hmm. I'm, if I'm feeling really like overworked or really tired after a super long exam week, maybe I'll spend the weekend building a new device or maybe I'll spend the weekend working on my app or, or messing around and just playing in my backyard with my sister and just having fun. I think when you take that time for yourself, it really does prevent you from feeling burnt out. Okay. Okay. So I guess the message here big time is staying organized and, you know, like following your heart, following your passion. And where do you see society going as far as building an innovation ecosystem? That's a great question. I think the most important thing for us right now, with all the problems that we're seeing in the world, with all the things that are happening, we need a lot of rapid changes. And the best way to do that is with a really rich innovation ecosystem. We need to foster ingenuity and problem solving and innovation and I mm-hmm. think this is an all we need an all hands on deck approach to, to solving these problems. We don't need it's not just companies that should be solving these problems. It's companies, adults, parents, students, young people are such an essential part of the equation of solving real world problems. And when you create an innovator at a young age, not only are they going to be solving problems as a young person, they're also a problem solver for their entire rest of their life. So Mm -hmm. as an adult, they could be creating a life-saving device or life-saving technology and creating that ecosystem where we have this pipeline of young people becoming innovators, solving problems, and then in turn, the world is becoming a better place. That's really what we need to see. And my vision for the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years is having a world where everyone is empowered to solve problems. And mm-hmm. we're able to solve problems faster than problems are occurring. And there will always be new problems and there will always be the next big challenge that we all have to come together and solve. But we need to have this pipeline where it's really possible to solve these problems in a quick way and just be able to create that positive impact on the world and have this collective effort to solve those problems. Excellent. And what about your personal uh, educational aspirations? Yeah, I I mean, I'm going to be a junior uh, this fall. So I think in the next 10, 15 years, I'd probably be in college or outside of college. I think I'm not really sure what job I want to be as an adult because there's so many fields that I find really interesting and Mm -hmm. really intersectional with different things, technology, 
you know, science, business, product design. There's so many things that I'm interested in. But I think as an adult, I want to be a problem solver. I want to, whatever my job might be, um, whether that's, you know, creating solutions, whether that be as a VC, I would just love to be able to be a problem solver and start seeing the impact of the work that I'm doing. Okay. And what about, you know, you have talked so much about companies needing help or companies are out there, you know, offering help. Do you help people identify those via your workshops or how do they go after those kind of resources? Yeah, definitely. And what I hope to do in my workshops is have that partnership with companies and young people and creating that kind of partnership where students are able to reach out for help. Companies are able to sponsor students and really have that um, mutually beneficial relationship because if companies are able to nurture innovators, they're creating mm-hmm. a talent pipeline for themselves to have really, really skilled and problem solver solving people, you know, potentially working at their company in the future. And so having that partnership with both the business side um, and then the young person side, the school education side, it's really going to be a really fruitful partnership. So I'm hoping to do um, more of those where we can interact between companies and students and have that really uh, strong relationship where students are benefiting from the company and learning and getting mentorship and opportunities. And then companies are creating mm-hmm. a really strong talent pipeline for themselves. So uh, fabulous. And, uh, you know, I just can't be, uh, what shall I say? Yeah, I think, you know, you have just covered it all very, very nicely. And what about non-STEM areas? You have shown all your passion for STEM <laughs> and technology. And you just mentioned business and uh, product development and all of that, like some generic areas as well. So do you also offer an overall perspective to your network of innovators to be su- to be able to succeed in any field, not just technology? So when they come to you for your... Uh, with your workshops, you know, can they just use your framework and do something? Okay, fashion, modeling, you know, like anything else, business, but that may not be centered around technology, but, you know, it's something else. Definitely. I What I love about the innovation process that I created is that it's not just innovation for technology or innovation for science. Innovation is such a broad field that I just love it so much because it can be applied to literally everything. If you're in the fashion industry and you're really excited about creating your own fashion company and you want to be differentiated in some way, you can start looking at problems and being like, okay, well, um, fashion isn't super sustainable. Let's find, let's find the root cause of this and then start innovating, coming up with solutions to maybe more sustainable fashion and have Mm -hmm. There's so many applications for the for the innovation process, and it's great to see that it can really be applied in a business setting, in a fashion setting, in in any industry because every industry needs innovation to really progress forward. So I think having the skill set and the toolkit of this innovation process can really empower students, regardless of whatever industry they they have their mind set on, to start disrupting that industry and really getting. Um, creating that progress in that industry. Mm-hmm. Okay, very well said. You know, uh, disruption, uh, 
you know, in the form of creating positive impact is what uh, society needs the most. And uh, you really brought that out very nicely, Neha. And so much fun talking to you today. And uh, thanks so much for coming again on the podcast. And one more time, if you would tell people your contact information so that they know where to go after uh, to um, be able to. benefit from the huge repertoire of resources that you have put out. (laughs) Thank you. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn at Neha Shukla and um, my website, uh, the Six Feet Apart website at thesixfeetapart.weebly.com. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. And uh, such a pleasure having you and good luck in your uh, innovation journey and uh, definitely look forward to seeing you again in the future and seeing more and more of your creations benefiting the world like you (laughs) desire. So thanks again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And to listeners, thanks so much for tuning in week after week. Follow me on Instagram at YP Kumar and for the podcast at Freshly Forever for constant updates. I will see you back again next week with yet another guest and yet another interesting topic. Until then, it's why saying so long. <music>